Fun fact for you guys, 65,000 coaches turned to get the pancake in 2019 for advice, volleyball drills, and coaching resources. That's like a lot of coaches. Whether they were looking for free stat sheet downloads, goal-setting worksheets to use with their team, or just a fun warm-up to start practice with, I'm proud to say, get the pancake delivered. In this past year, we've added tons of valuable information to getthepancake.com. New digital downloads, free handouts, and of course, more drills and tips. There's a lot planned for 2020, and I don't want you to miss it. If you want to continue growing as a coach, sign up for the Get the Pancake newsletter by going to getthepancake.com. There's a sign up link at the top of the homepage. You can't miss it. Come and join our thriving community and let me help you have your best season yet. Hi coaches, this is Whitney from Get the Pancake, a podcast for volleyball coaches. In today's episode, I want to talk about how to place players into different positions based on things like their personality, natural skill set. Now, a huge disclaimer here, uh, I don't know your team. I'm going based off of my own experiences and judgments as to what has worked best for me in the past and what I've seen work well for other coaches and other teams. And by no means is this the end-all be-all guide to how to place players in different positions. If you agree with me on everything, that's awesome. (laughs) I think a lot of coaches will agree with most general statements that I'm going to make today. But if you disagree with something either strongly or you're not sure and you want to talk to other coaches about it, that's fine too. In fact, I encourage you to think for yourself when it comes to placing players because as our sport continues to grow, we get better and better athletes coming in and we need to make individual choices based on the players that we have on our roster and what our strategy is. I want you to prioritize your own thoughts versus mine. The different positions that I'm going to be talking about today Let's just go ahead and apply that to 14 and under, so even 10 and under, 12 and under, maybe up to 15U. Um, And then in high school, it really kind of depends what the skill level is in your area. This could apply even to sophomore JV teams. I think freshmen would be a safe bet. Once we get past that, or if you're at a higher level program, higher level school, not everything I'm going to say is totally accurate, but... Enough with the disclaimers, (laughs) let's just talk positions. All right, to start talking about positions, I want to talk about what position, in my mind, is the easiest to identify. And this is where I like to start because you get one or two players kind of out of your list of where to place them, and they're usually easily identifiable just due to their natural skill set. Any guesses? Any guesses? Okay, this one is the setter. While of course setting can be taught to any player, in my experience, it's always best to just go with the player who is most naturally skilled at setting and run from there. Really that applies to any skill set. If a player is naturally good at something, they're going to want to continue to work on that skill. So that could apply to passing, hitting, serving, but especially with setting, if you are going to be creating your own setter, you're going to face a lot of challenges just because it is a very difficult skill to teach and your player or players that you're teaching to set are going to face a lot more challenges than the average player on your team. So what do I look for in a setter? 
Obviously, we want them to have natural hands. And what do, what do I mean by natural hands? I mean a player who we're not catching and releasing the ball, but that setting motion, they have an understanding of that naturally. Usually on a team, you'll get two to three players who have this skill. Sometimes it's only one player and you might have to train another as backup, but most groups I've seen and coached, whether you had a lot of players to choose from or a small group to choose from, there's usually at least two who are excited to set, willing to set, and able to set. But how do you choose who your number one setter is? This is usually where my stud athlete goes, someone who is able to listen to me because they control a lot of the offensive tempo, someone who is okay with making mistakes. Setting is very unforgiving, so they have to be okay with doubling on occasion or carrying the ball, getting called for that, or maybe not having a great set, but being able to kind of reset their mind and focus on getting the next ball. They can't if they're making bad sets and they get two in their head, that person is not going to be an ideal setter just because they need to be able to perform under pressure. I also really like it if this player has other skills too. So your best setter might also be a very skilled hitter or a very skilled passer. I would prefer to have a great setter and decent hitters rather than a decent setter and great hitters. The reason for that is if you can have a consistent set up every time or most of the time, your hitters will get better with that consistency. So having the better setter is going to impact your team more, in my opinion. <laughs> so as I said, this is usually where I start because it's, in most cases, the most obvious. This player does need to be smart. Not that all of our players aren't smart, but this player is going to have a lot of instances when they need to make decisions on the court like okay the ball is off should I call for help who should I set to so again this player needs to be naturally good at setting smart on the court able to deal with pressure and in my opinion just a stud athlete so that should stick out to you if it doesn't that's okay but that's going to be what you're looking for if you don't have a setter already if you don't have two players like that because i do suggest having at least two setters on your roster identified even if you're running a 5-1 i would still prefer that you have a backup setter i would look for consistency in the second player and the ability to shake off mistakes those are the two things if you don't have an obvious setter or if you're looking for a second option or even a third option, that's what I would look for if they're not necessarily naturally gifted at setting. The next player that I think is easiest to identify is probably your middle blocker or middle hitter, whatever you want to call them. And it's not because they're the tallest player on your team. <laughs> a tendency amongst new coaches is to see a tall athlete and immediately stick them in the middle. And while most high-level middle blockers are quite tall, tall doesn't mean anything if they're not quick or coordinated. If anything, if you put a tall girl in the middle who is slow, she's just going to get in the way. So yes, height is important because that helps them because they're able to get a touch on more blocks or even just more blocks in general they're able to get out to the sides 
quicker usually just because they have the longer legs, longer strides and reach those arms out there a little bit sooner. But I would say quickness is more important and reach is also important. So that seems to be conflicting with the advice on height. Don't just pick someone because they're tall, but pick someone who can reach high. That's gonna be an athlete with a high vertical, especially at the younger ages. I don't think it matters how tall someone is. They can be little teeny tiny, but if they can jump up and reach higher than anyone else on the team, middle might not be the worst option for them. I would like it if my middles have good hands. Again, we're talking about setting because a lot of balls do come over the net and they're high. And if your middle is able to just set that nicely to the setter to get the pass set hit started, then things are going to go a lot more smoothly than the player who doesn't trust their hands and maybe ducks out of the way last minute. You want this player to be coordinated because they are going to be moving and blocking every single attack on the ball. If they can't figure out their footwork to get out to block the opposing team's outside hitter and then run back to get ready to hit and then fake for a quick set and reset, we're probably gonna have some net calls and she's just gonna be in the way. This person doesn't have to be your best hitter, but they should have a lot of control because they do have sort of a shorter angle. When you're hitting from the middle, you don't have as much depth as say an outside or a right side, just because of where you're at on the court. So they do need to have control. They also need to be smart as well and choose when to tip around a block, when to uh, swing all out, you're going to notice a pattern because I'm going to say that every player needs to be smart. But middles especially should be strategic in the swings that they take. They also, as I mentioned earlier, are going to be putting a block up or trying to get a hand on every attack from your opponents. So they should either be skilled at blocking or at least understand the timing aspect of blocking and then you can work with them on that obviously. But build that blocking skill up because nothing pumps up a team like a block that goes straight down. And this isn't always the case, but middles will typically come out of the back row and change with liberos. Because they're usually switching with liberos, a libero can only serve in place of one person. So you want your middle, if that's who your liberos are gonna be switching with, you want them at least one of your middles to be skilled at serving because a libero can only serve for one person in one rotation. That means either your first middle that comes back or second middle that comes back should have an aggressive serve unless you're going to sub them out for a DS or even a designated server, which I don't recommend, especially at younger ages. Passing skills aren't the most important for a middle because they're rarely passing. But again, being able to overhand pass, which is setting, that I think is important for them to learn. Remember, our middle has a high reach, is coordinated, and is quick. Height is great, but it's not the main factor. At least one of them should have a decent serve and their overhand passing, which is setting, should be decent or you're able to work with it. One last thing about middles, I highly recommend that they be right-handed if you have any control over that. You can work with lefties, but most of the attacks are gonna be a lot easier for right-handed players. Okay, we've got maybe two setters. We've probably got a middle or two figured out. Moving on from here, it's not always the easiest to immediately place someone because a lot of the skills that they use are going to be similar. Players are gonna have like 
different attitudes and personalities. So let me explain. The next players that I would place is probably going to be my outside hitters. Outside hitters are your powerhouses. So these players are able to jump, they're able to smash the ball, and they should also be great passers. So think of them, maybe these are your stud athletes just without that setting skill. Most teams will have at least one person who can go up and just hammer the ball straight down. Most likely, you're going to put them at outside. But remember, this passing aspect is really important because they will be dropping off of the net to defend against those short tips and hard cross hits from the opponent's outside, which is the player that gets set the most usually. So your outside needs to understand that their job is also just to keep the ball in and be consistent, but that's a lot easier coming in from the side when you have like cross court open because you have so much additional distance that you can hit the ball, unlike hitting from middle. That's why outsides are able to go up and usually just swing away hard at the ball. In this position, you know, I hate to say it, but being a smart volleyball player isn't the most important as it is for being, say, a setter or a middle, but outsides, obviously, still need to have an understanding of the court and need to be able to make hitting decisions such as when to tip, when to push the ball, when to do a roll shot. If they're going up and just hitting every ball as hard as they can, then the defense is going to understand how to defend against that and it's not the most effective. So anyway, when you're looking for an outside hitter, it's probably going to be the player who goes up and smashes the ball the most, even if she's smashing it down and it's going and hitting the back wall, you'll just have to work with them on control and their form so that they can get that fixed. But this person should be quick and just have better general fitness than most of the other players on your team because they are going to be the one that gets set to in most emergency situations. So they do need to have high stamina along with high power. You might have three to four of these players. It depends, of course, the number of players you have on your team. But if you aren't sure where to stick someone, just being honest here, outside is probably where you'll put them if they are able to be a front row player. Before I wrap up talking about outside, these players typically, because they are good at passing, will play all the way around. So just know that when they get to back row, depending on how you place your libero, if you use one, these players will usually play left back or middle back where they get most of the hits to them because their passing skills are so high. But they might also sub out with probably a defensive specialist, which we'll talk about here later. But in most cases, your outside hitters are going to play all the way around. You might just have to use a couple of lineups if you have more than two true outside hitters. All right, we're going to switch the court here and go to the opposite side of the net in the front row. That's going to be our right side hitter, also called opposite. And while I have always believed this to be true, that right side hitters are typically left-handed, I asked you guys on Instagram if your your best one was left-handed or right-handed, and I think it was like 80% said right-handed. I think that that's just probably due to a lack of lefties out there, but if you have the option, a left-handed player is going to have an easier time approaching the ball and getting a comfortable swing into the court. Right-handed players can still take swings at every angle. Right-handed right side players can still get great angles depending on how they do their approach and where they start from. 
But if you have a lefty, especially if they're gonna be front row, I would stick them at right front because it's just gonna be easier for their body to get a swing in. So our right sides, as they get older, are gonna be more involved in blocking and of course attacking, so they need to be strong at both of those. But at the younger ages, you guys, I like to keep it real with you. And I hate to say things that are negative, but I'm just gonna be honest with you. A back set is one of the more challenging sets for a beginner or intermediate setter to accomplish. And for that reason, our right front typically doesn't get set, especially at the younger ages and lower levels. And while that can be frustrating for that player, if you have someone and you're not really sure where to stick them, they just need playing time. You guys know what I'm talking about here put them at right front. They're not gonna touch the ball a whole lot. They need to be ready at all times. But if there's someone on your team that just needs playing time, but you don't really want them to touch the ball a whole lot, put them at right front. So with our right side players, they will usually only play right front. And that's because when they get to the back, they will typically sub out for your setter if you're having a setter come from the back row. So that's gonna be running a 6-2 most likely if you're subbing setters. Your right side doesn't necessarily need to be a great server. You can always sub them out for a DS or for your setter. But as the players get older, this position becomes more and more important, especially in the blocking aspect and through the addition of another attack option for your team. You know, actually, I really recommend if you want your setters to get better at that back set, put a really good player at right front because your setters will want to go to the better hitter and that will force them to set back more often. You can also trick them by putting a friend back there and that way they will set back more. You don't have to do this in a game, but occasionally in practices, mixing up where your players are so that your setter does work on that back set, I think is a great way to get them comfortable with back sets more often. And as always, depending on who you have on your team, you might only have one designated right side hitter, but it really depends on how you're using your setters, especially if your setter is a stud, as I mentioned earlier, they'll probably hit when they switch to the front row if you're running a 6-2. You might not even have any right side hitters if you're if both of your setters are great at hitting, but if you have a large roster, it's nice to sub someone in occasionally at that right front position. Okay, now we've got all of our front row positions taken care of. Now let's talk about back row. So <laughs> most teams at this point will have just a bunch of little shorties left to pick from and as I mentioned before, height is not what we are using as a determinant for placing players. It usually just happens that our shorter players are less effective in the front row and that's why they are put in the back row. So from our remaining players, we're going to be picking the top one or two passers on the team. You are allowed to have two liberos. They can both play in the same set, but they cannot both be on the court at the same time. I'll trust you to read the rules and learn about liberos. But when you are choosing who you want to have as your libero, have this be one of your loudest, most aggressive players that is just willing to throw themselves on the floor. Obviously, passing is very important for this position. And I would say it's a tie between setters and liberos who is more often going to be the stud athlete on the team. The mindset is so important with liberos because they need to 
feel like they can get anything and have no fear at all. And remember, this player is not allowed to play front row, so if you have a great hitter who is also very good at passing, I would rather use them in the front row as well and then have them play all the way around instead of taking them away as an attack option and putting them in the back row only. This might be something that you disagree with me on, but this is what I like to do with my teams. So from all of the players who are not able to play in the front row, we're gonna be choosing our libero who is quick, aggressive, loud, and really just a stud athlete. Attitude is really important because they're going to be on the court all the time. There's only a couple of times when they'll be sitting out. Attitude is critical. If you have a libero with a bad attitude, just by them having that different color jersey, they're kind of looked to as leaders on the court. You know, they are given a sort of position of power because they're technically labeled the best passer on the team. So that can get to their heads if left unchecked. So if their attitudes are poor or you start to notice them getting an attitude as the season goes, talk to them about it or just make sure that you're, that's not who you're picking in the first place to be your libero because this person is viewed as a leader, especially in defense. The last position that I'm going to talk about on the court is defensive specialist or a DS is what it's typically called. This player is skilled in passing and they can still be a good hitter, but maybe they're just gonna be hitting from the back row. So doing back row attacks and down balls instead of attacking from the front row. Now, I don't wanna confuse this with maybe a right side or an outside that's playing all the way around. This is someone who strictly subs in in the back row and then subs out in the front row. Their only purpose is to come on and pass. Maybe they're not as skilled as our libero or they're, they don't have the right attitude to be a libero, but their passing is still their primary role. Depending on who they're subbing in with, they may or may not serve. So let's just say that your right side comes to back row, but they've got a killer serve. So you'll let them serve. And then as soon as your team loses the serve, then the DS will come in. This is probably one of the most challenging roles to play on the team because you don't get a lot of the glory. Not too many people start clapping for a good pass. Usually they're overshadowed by the libero, but their role is still so important because we need that spot on the court covered. So whether that is left back, middle back, or right back, again, depending on where we put that libero, it is critical that they do a good job of covering their zone. Depending on where the libero is, their space that they're responsible for might shrink or expand. The libero usually has a bigger range than the other passers on the team, but you need someone who is mentally tough enough to deal with very little credit, very little reward. If you want to get them more involved, work with them more on serving and back row attacks. That way they're a little more involved in the play than just the pass. I don't know if everyone will agree or not, but this is usually kind of the last positions that I fill on the court just because it's kind of whoever is left over. So those are all the positions on the court, but I also wanna talk about the importance of the bench. So if you don't pay attention to them, if you treat them like they're not as important as everyone on the court, bench players are gonna feel kind of crummy, even though where you sub them in might be the best for their performance. They're probably not gonna realize that because everyone thinks that starting is the most important thing ever. But let me give you an example. The last club team that I coached I had a setter who, really great at setting middle and right side, just didn't have the power to set to outside. She was a great server, really good at everything else. And so what I did was that I had my, kind of my backup outside hitter start 
in the front row because I wanted that setter on at first. She had a great attitude. Everything that I wanted except for she couldn't push the ball out. So I had the outside hitter that didn't hit as hard start because it wasn't very likely that she was going to be set often. Now when that other outside hitter finally came in and the other setter was in who was able to set to outside, it was great because I had the best setter who was able to set to that person. So we're kind of effective more. <laughs> we were almost more effective just because of how the rotations worked out. But I tell you, the attitude that some girls have for being a sub is ridiculous. It seems like everyone thinks that if they don't play all the way around, then they're not getting their money's worth and the coach doesn't know what they're doing. But that's just not the case. Most players on a team will only play three rotations on the court. So either all front row, all back row, they may or may not serve. That's the expectation that you need to set with your team unless you only have like eight players or something. But you're still gonna have people sitting out and that's just how volleyball works. A lot of parents are starting to understand that because more and more people have played volleyball, but there are still a lot of people who don't understand that typical playing time is based on rotations and not because we do or do not want their player to be on the court. So treat your bench players well, give them high fives, get them excited, foster that team spirit so that they genuinely get excited for their teammates on the court. And then they know that once they're on the court as well, that they'll be appreciated. I'd be really interested to hear if you agree or disagree with any of my position descriptions. Get the Pancake has a community on Facebook for volleyball coaches to come and discuss things that you're struggling with or maybe big wins that you had or even little wins or just sharing why you coach. If you want to join this group, it's on Facebook. I'll include a link in the description of this podcast. It's called Volleyball Coaches Corner. It's a closed group on Facebook. You do have to request to join, but as soon as you get approved, you can come in and I'd love to hear you discuss there if you agree or disagree with the description of all of these positions. Keep in mind that although some positions on some teams, specifically right side hitter or DS, they don't get as much recognition and it might just be hard for them to grow in those positions because the ball doesn't come to them as often, but those are critical positions. We do need someone there. And as they get older, the positions only become more and more important. So if you have a player who is getting frustrated with that position, just try and grow them into the best version possible. Because as I said, they kind of get pushed off to the side, it almost seems like, when they are younger. But as they get older, those positions only become more and more important. Thank you so much. Don't forget to leave a rating for the podcast. I'd love to know what you think about it. And be sure to subscribe so you know when the next episode comes out. Thanks again, and I will see you in the next episode.